wildlife management is it's, it's not a management issue. It's not even a social issue. It's not even a cultural issue, basically. It's, it's a moral issue. This is Defender Radio. Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers, brought to you by the Fur Bears. Dr. Max Foran is no stranger to telling Canada's stories. He's written dozens of books and articles on subjects ranging from urban sprawl to the international trade of historic Alberta. But in his latest project, he takes on a subject steeped in philosophy, history, science, and industry. Canadian Wildlife Management. The Subjugation of Canadian Wildlife, published in April 2018 by McGill-Queens University Press, is an outstanding look at the twisting tale of how wildlife in our country is managed. Perhaps the most all-encompassing book on the subject that does not simply repeat what managers in the political system tell the public, Dr. Foran does a superb job of bringing together the vast array of moving parts, history, and moral decision-making that builds what we know as modern wildlife management. It is an absolute must-read and is accessible for readers of virtually any level, regardless of academic background. Dr. Foran joined Defender Radio to discuss what drove him to write this book, what he learned along the way as a professional researcher and writer, and what he hopes Canada's wildlife management policies can become as we move forward. A lot of what you have written in the past is about issues, I'd say, surrounding this. Uh, I see a lot of stuff about land use and developments. Yes, Uh, true. And and you have taken on uh, a project which is massive in its scope, and I'm by no means a a subject matter expert on this. My background is journalism, so I kind of, I learn a bit about what I need to learn about so I can tell the stories. But I have been talking a lot about wildlife and policy for the last couple of years and this feels like the definitive book on sort of the whole picture well thank you michael i appreciate that that's that's nice coming from you who uh well it's it's it, okay let, let let me and you just want to explain how come you come from the, how come i came from where i was to where i to write this book yes okay well first of all i'm philosophically i'm a skeptic i i, I i've uh you know, so I got Michelle Me De Montaigne in there at the end, and uh, and I I don't like what we human beings have, have done to each other and and the planet, and and at the same time claim to be moral, rational beings. That that doesn't make sense to me. And I've always liked animals, and but my wife was passionate, animal rights, uh, big time work with wildlife all her life, and and uh, and she was such a powerful personality almost transformative uh, in many ways. And uh, she said, Max, you got to write the wildlife book. I said, yeah, I was teaching at the university, and I said, yeah, I, I like that. She said, Max, you got to write it. You're the only one that can. You write this book. And so I said, okay. So I took, oh, and I'd been thinking about that too. And I said, yeah, it's about time someone said something. It's, it's about time I, I've got to say something. In all my writing, I've been a very balanced academic writer. I see what I see, what I see. I get the pros and the cons. I balance and I conclude. I research, I balance and I conclude. I'm a balanced writer. But this time, I threw all that out the window. But 
and I, I, I got to make a case. I'm going to make a case. And but I didn't know how to do it, uh, and so I, I came from the philosophical angle, and then, uh, and then once I had the philosophy, once once I had the philosophy, clearly in my mind, then I could sit down and do the research. And because I'm a trained researcher, it was, and because the internet is a, is available, and the database at the University of Calgary is unbelievable, because I had the because I had the, the, the experience, the desire to do it, the will and the passion, I threw everything I had into it. And because my wife was terminally ill and she wanted it done, she said, I hope I live to see this published, Max. I hope to see this. She said to me a dozen times when she was dying with cancer. And I said, I'll do my best, mate. But I didn't make it. But she was in a hospice when I told her that the book was going through and she was delighted that that's my one regret. I didn't get it in time. Didn't get it out in time. But it, her, 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 her presence, her vision, her passion, infected me, and my doggedness, and my commitment when I get started on something, and I just lost myself in it. And people said, "I don't know how you can do this, Max." I said, "Well, someone's got to do it. It's got to be done. Simple as that." Well, and I, yeah, and I, in all honesty, as I said, this it is a an incredibly in depth book, and for me it was difficult because there are sections that I'm very familiar with, and we'll get into some of that. And sections mm-hmm. for me, philosophy, for instance, I have no training or background or experience with it, so it was difficult at times. But you are able to present this this history of change and of development through philosophy that I was able to follow. Uh, yeah, so that's, I. That's- I really appreciate that, that I'm able to sort of be informed of yeah. that in a way that's accessible. Yeah, Mike, I thought that was crucial because it's not much use me talking about a belief system. If I didn't tell the reader, if I didn't kind of give some background on how this belief system came to be and, and how a set of, a set of uh, opinions uh, become cultural truths. And, uh, and I wanted to show this, you know, starting from... And then, as you say, you see in the introduction, I linked, I linked, uh, I linked the Stoics to one of the Supreme Justices of the Court. Mm-hmm. I linked Aquinas to Revenue Canada, and I linked the Catholic Church's Augustine and and, and Aquinas, Augustine and Paul's pronouncements uh, to uh, to the Second Vatican Council in 1965. So I linked the presidency. These beliefs still permeate. These these beliefs are entrenched and they still permeate. And I'm just questioning them. It's wildlife. Manage, wildlife management is it's not a management issue. It's not even a social issue. It's not even a cultural issue, basically. It's, it's a moral issue. It's mm. a moral issue. And, and because government represents the status quo, whereas the body public represents the wide spectrum in everything, and because there's a wide spectrum of including our relations to animals, everything from from you know from animal rights to to, to speciesism, uh, the main in the main, the government represents the main body of thought which tends towards speciesism, you know, and and uh, and that's where that's where we're dead in the water, and a parliamentary democracy makes it very difficult to effect change. 
Well, and I've got so I've I've gone through the book and I've got a whole bunch of questions and and typically yeah, yeah typically I don't get the the my questions as well formed as I have here, but because That's of the okay. way you've presented the book, I, I actually have uh, put more time into structuring them. Uh, okay. So this is in order of the book, so it may not make complete sense. Um, That's okay. And I actually ended up having to go from about 3,000 words worth of questions to 1,000 words worth of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I've got you all day, Max. You're not yeah, going okay, anywhere. Right. Let's, okay. Let's do it. Um, so you do discuss the tale, is how you put it, of power and superiority humans have over non-human animals. Yeah. And right now, the concept of social power is becoming more mainstream. And I'm not equating the plight of marginalized or oppressed people to non-human animals, but could the growing, I'd say, cultural consciousness assist in the new belief system that you say we need in order to better treat animals and to, in sort of the grander picture, save our planet? Yeah. So what's your question? Do you think that it's that the the lessons we are learning that this growing consciousness oh i see what you mean yeah yeah Yeah. i do think yes yes i do think we are shifting i do think we are shifting what i'm saying is that it does not yet constitute you know changing of attitudes are the first steps Mm -hmm. to and then changing of behavior will be the second and but behavior won't change until beliefs change so attitudes will change attitudes will change yes and I think gradually behavior is changing too, but I'm arguing not enough mm-hmm. to change the belief system yet. You'll notice I, I, I discussed that at the end of chapter one, and I, and I tried to say, yeah, beliefs are changing. In fact, I think deep down, I can't prove this, I can't prove this, but I think that a lot of people hold animal rights positions but would never admit it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's, it's uh, they're pretty close to it. They're long away from the welfare position, and and uh, that that's good. I think people are moving away from the welfare position that simply says you owe animals a right to a quick death, and that being kind to animals makes better hum- makes you better humans. I think we're getting away from that. I, yes, I do. Yes, I do. But does it constitute a change in the belief system? Not yet. But uh, and. And being a skeptic, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's ever going to happen because the price to pay will be too high. But, but there is a changing mood. Yes, there is. And as you, you discussed the price to change, that I found very interesting. Which part of that change do you think is too high? Is it the everyday challenges from you know eating red meat, wearing fur, and choosing solar panels over gas-fired plants? Or is it the larger commitments we've made as a society to the use of uh, petroleum products and international all, travel? All of those, but the assumption that that uh, uh, we take for granted, prosperity is going to be a never-ending. It's going to be a never-ending spiral. We are the main thing is habitat, Mike. Uh, we continue to degrade habitat. And, and that's going to happen because self-interest means we need to up our lifestyle. We need, we need forest products or we, we, we need these things. And as long as we need things that are going to enhance our standard of living or keep the things we've got now. So if you say, let's cut, let's take, the, uh, take millions of acres and, and turn them into, leave it alone. Mm-hmm. I think that's inimical to human nature. I think it's inimical to our the way we think. We can't leave it alone. It's there. We've got to use it. 
and that's it. I think that's inimical, and uh, that's why uh, that's why I think we will continue. I think the attitudes will change. He red meat, us yes, and I think there'll be some reforms in factory farms, and uh, maybe we'll put more money into saving species at risk, and maybe we'll set aside some more areas for for for, for, for protection, but nowhere near. We, 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 we're never going to say. Where I don't the price of saying we haven't got the right to be involved with you and we're going to leave you alone. The price of paying that, saying that's too high, given the need for habitat and growth and expansion. That's what I mean by that. And carrying that thought forward, you talk about rationalization, which I thought was a fascinating subject matter to dive into. <laughs> yeah, I know. My version of rationalization is just the, you know, the, the critics are going to cover me for that. And, and uh, well, uh, yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, but you can go well, ahead your question. Could you, could you explain how rationalization works? And, I mean, I think the, the one that really jumped out at me was the rationalizations from hunter-gatherers. Uh, that that model of respect for animals that we are taking, uh, which we hear historically and currently as yeah. well. I think we, we want, because we are basically moral creatures, uh, except we don't extend it too far, we're limited moral creatures, we want, to, we want to feel good about ourselves, we want to feel okay about ourselves. And when we do what is obviously harm, we want to put a positive spin on it. And so the hunter-gatherers put their positive spin on it, and, and to a degree, you believe your own rationalizations. But if they looked at it, you know, clinically or without emotionally, if you're anything, they'd say, well, you're killing the animal. I mean, it might be a friend, but it's the one dying, not you. Yeah. And, 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 uh, uh, but you want to put a positive spin on everything you do. It's okay. It's all right. We can do this. And I think this is a fault. And some, there are some versions of rationality that say that a rational person acts in his own self-interest. I don't believe that. A rational person takes emotion out of everybody, tries to take emotion out of decisions. In other words, once you take emotion out, you take yourself out. And once you take yourself out, you look dispassionately and say, okay, let's look at this. Let's, let, let's take your own bullshit out of it and let's, and, and let, let's look at this. Mm-hmm. And don't see what you want to see. See what's there. And I think once you start thinking this way, you start to, to, to be more clinical and more objective. But the more you put emotion in, the more you, want, the more you get answers you want to get. And that's a rationalization. That's what I mean. And I think we, and rationalize substitutes for reason, in my opinion. In my opinion. Yeah. Well, what I find interesting, too, is that it can happen without us necessarily registering it at the exactly, individual exactly. level. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dead on, Mike. You know, and I, I didn't, I didn't make enough of that. And I think you're dead on. You, we, we really believe that's the way it is. Yeah. You know, but when you look at it, stand back. I remember telling my girls when I was growing up, when you know, we were teenagers, and I said, "For crying out loud, girls, I don't care if you BS, and I don't care if you BS to yourself. In fact, in many ways, you got to BS to yourself. But as long as you know you're doing it." Don't see what don't see what you want to see. See what's there, mm-hmm. and that was and that was my my advice to my daughters. You were teenagers, <laughs> sage father, try to be wise. <laughs> you know, you go through those stages where you think you know something, and you try to pass it on to your kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, they turned out okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I I, I agree, Mike, and, that, and that's what I mean by rationalisation. And and people are going to come at me on this, and that's going to be my answer. 
And on the note of rationalization, I think this this is the and again it's it's the way I'm asking these makes me sound very smart, but it's actually the way you wrote this uh, is the collision of science and philosophy. On one hand, we have scientists showing with remarkable authority and evidence at times uh, that the various species of non-human animals are sentient, self-aware, that they have complex lives or capable yep. of developing cultures and their own guiding morals. Mm. And then we also have the philosophy, again, which you, you uh, very nicely lay out, that dates back to ancient Greece and beyond, that takes none of the science into account. And it's what drives our laws and policies. How do we get these two sides not even talking together, but just functioning together in society. That's that's a good point. And I have to think about that. I, I think that that where science where science tends to to uh, integrate with the with the traditional belief system is it's logical. It's lo- it's it's it, it's logical argument that man stands outside nature because we can dictate we can dictate so many things we can explain so many things that, we're, that therefore we're not part we're not part of the natural world we are observing it and we're commenting on it and I think that suits the belief system just fine but I do think that that uh, and I try to show that uh, there seems to be resistance in science towards accepting things like and higher order animal consciousness, even though you got the declaration made by a whole bunch of scientists that said mm-hmm. that animals have have conscious, you know, uh, have, have conscious states. I think that that uh, we don't see the heat. It it's out there, but we it doesn't see the change because it, uh, the price of change is too high. And, and I, I come back to the same thing. Now, I'm not sure I'm answering your question here because <laughs> it's a tough one. I'd have to think about this one for about bloody. A, a, few days before I give you a sensible answer on that one. Uh, but uh, because science itself is a very fractured discipline and science itself is nowhere near as exact as it makes out. And scientists and scientists are far less science, are far less scientific and prone to rationalization in their personal, in their personal sentiments. Uh, you know, and I, as I said that, you know, scientists are employed by the government and scientists employed by the academic institutions are liable to reach different conclusions about the same things with respect mm-hmm. to animals, and and that have done so. Uh, and so, uh, it's there's science and there's scientists, and there's a type of science and the type of scientists, and you know even dealing with that's immense. So I think, uh, but I do think, I do think that. The need for answers, the need for something that makes sense outside and acceptance of, a, of current beliefs about God and the Stoics and Aristotle and all that, I think that is going to. I think that will bear on 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 society eventually. I, I, I do think that 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 we start to think more clinically, and uh, because of science, and if we start to think more clinically, then we must start to examine our beliefs and. Uh, but then we know it'd be sucking by science because it goes in certain directions and it creates its own truth. So when you start looking at it, it's uh, it's not as it's not as all embracing as it seems to be. And so I think science is 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 what I'm saying is science is just as much fractured as philosophy is. And to bring the two together, I don't know, I don't know, tough. tough. Well, North Korea and South Korea are hanging out right now, so I feel like you know anything's possible. 
Okay, except as a skeptic, I don't know that wacko's hidden agenda in North Korea. I don't know. There's, I, I'm waiting to see what the hidden agenda is there. Oh, yeah, and, I, I uh, firmly believe that. I am just thoroughly coated with caffeine right now. That is giving me a false <laughs> optimism. I haven't had any caffeine yet, so. All right. Uh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah and, 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 and this is something that, that when I was writing this darn thing, and everyone said to me, Max, 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 you did it. You, you, you're being too tough. We, we, we can do this. And then one person said to me, and, uh, and the best answer I gave, she said, Max, Max, when the need arises, we will change. And I said, yes, but how many species are going to go before that need comes? Yeah. And so I, I, I do think... I do think that there's a natural penchant in, in, in us to put a positive spin on things. It'll be okay. Global warming doesn't occur. There is a debate, but we don't. But even the even the naysayers are, are trying to find ways in which they can spin this to to say, yeah, it's a cyclical thing. It'll it'll be all right. We'll find answers. And see, this this is a natural thing. Hope. You know, people, the, 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 the three virtues we were taught at my Jesuits, and, you know, I suppose you too, and, but, my, 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 but my upbringing, hope, faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest is charity, and the second greatest is faith, and bullshit, the greatest is hope. That's the one. That's the one that drives humans. Hope, hope, hope. And what I'm doing is stamping on this hope a bit. Well, incidentally, I'm reading a book that explains that hope is what makes comedy work. So I don't know if there's a connection there. <laughs> hope is what makes comedy work. Yeah. So it's the whole, the, what, what is funny is uh, someone who is like the underdog that is facing impossible odds, but is hopeful to be able to accomplish something still. Uh, exactly. that's, that's the mathematical it- equation for comedy, according to this author. I like that. Yeah. But yes, yes, yes. It's 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 the driving force of human nature in many cases is hope. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the other ones, the faith builds upon the hope because then you 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 have the hope that comes into a faith and then and then a moral a moral adjunct is added, there's a charity. Driven by hope. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yep. We've just solved and the so, world's problems uh, we, we here have, on Defender Radio. All we need is a beer between us. <laughs> it's, it's, a, couple of, a couple of jugs, Mike, and we get really good. <laughs> well, hell, it's 10.30 in the morning on a Friday. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, maybe uh, not. <laughs> the, <laughs> give, us a, give us a few hours. Yeah. Okay, so getting back on track. Um, yeah. You talk a lot about uh, one of the, the biggest problems in Canadian wildlife policy, and I think probably in all wildlife policy, is the view of wildlife as a resource that requires management. Yeah, um, a resource that has to manifest itself in the human interest. Because once you classify, that's, that's, that's an important thing I say, once you classify something as resource, you have to show its utility in the human interest. Yeah. And because it's low, way down on the scale of in terms of human interest, money value returns, it gets funded accordingly. And so, and, and, and of course, you cannot equate aggregates of living beings with truckloads of coal. You can't do that. That's mm-hmm. not, there's something patently wrong. You haven't got to be a bloody reasoning colossus to figure that one out. 
or a moral crusader. Yeah. You know, you and and that's my point. That the two points you can't do it in the first place, and once you do. In the case of call it a resource, you must demonstrate its utility, and then you put it up against the other resources that turn a yield, and you find you're way, way down, and so you're funded accordingly, and so you don't take that resource too seriously because it doesn't give you the returns. And that's my point. And an oversimplification of all of this is that there's 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 sort of a clear path that, and I think you just demonstrated that path. So where we're at now, the status quo, which is also known as the North American model of wildlife conservation. Well, wackos. Uh, and that that model is held up as the moral compass by hey, many. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing now. Look what they're doing. They're going from a straight Leopold, uh, primitive, uh, early ecological uh, uh, paradigm, and now they're integrated, trying to integrate themselves into the into the social consciousness, and now they're trying to say we are the champions of biodiversity. They're yeah. doing this rather well, those guys. And and uh, but yeah, go on, go on. Well, so you my my, my question is, how do we then deconstruct it? How do we show? I mean, I think that we within the wildlife community, the flaws of that model are are well recognized now. But how do we destruct it in such a way? that or sorry deconstruct it in such a way that we can move forward with something better i don't know i don't because you've got to change the belief system mm -hmm. and once you start change once you start saying no you, you, you're wrong about the way you're talking about animals you, to, to kill something for fun is wrong and 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 to to plunder your living, your living brethren is not the way to make a better world, and and people have got to start thinking angrily about that and say, no, no, this is wrong. You can't do this. And when people start saying that and start putting their weight behind uh, the, the groups that are like Animal Alliance and 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 and, and, and Zuchek and. Uh, uh, funding the uh, the law guys, eco justice, and and allowing rehabilitators to do their job. And when people start demanding, demanding that animals dead, then the wildlife, then then the model will will they'll hang out for a while, like the National Rifle Association. Mm -hmm. But if the weight if the weight of public opinion bears bears strongly on them, they they're, they're going to have to cut their losses and run and and uh, and say, all right, now what what will you give us? as a reward what can we how can we do, how can we hunt and then that's another debate <laughs> and, uh, but they will back off if the weight of public opinion gets and, and becomes and is in is is possessed the sort of passion you hear it in my voice and some of the stuff i'm hearing in yours and 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 if, if that starts to resonate and people start to listen to it and say enough like that Peter Finch in network, you know. So I've had enough of this crap, and I'm taking it anymore. And if once we start realizing that and becoming angry, then then new apparent there'll be a paradigm shift. If we if if we got the capability of doing that, because you're bringing immigrants in from other cultures that that uh, that don't share our culture, even the sorts of things we share, and. Uh, and there's a lot of homogenization to be done there. There's a lot of education to be done. Uh, and uh, uh, we've got to educate ourselves. And we are a very flexible 
volatile, uh, dynamic society, and therefore consensus be very, very difficult. Well, and that's, I think, a really good example of that, though, is the grizzly bear trophy hunt in British Columbia, which you do write about. Uh, and I and which, it's in a footnote, yeah, it's, it's now gone, it's now gone. Yes, um, and most hunting of grizzly bears in British Columbia has come to an end. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting, though, is the comparison. You've got a, a great chapter on apex predators, and yeah. you have grizzly bears immediately followed by wolves. And yep. grizzly bears were trophy hunted, uh, and there was a very, very clear mandate from pretty much all walks of life in British Columbia saying this, like we, this is morally wrong. Uh, and though there have been long debates about the science, it was that moral standard. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was even, you know, men in rural regions, even close to 70% of them, like yeah. the demographic that trophy hunts grizzly bears, uh, said, yeah. yeah, this isn't right. So it's interesting that we, we had that success, but then we look at the, the wolf situation and we'll use the um, the caribou. They're, they're hunting, they're killing wolves to protect endangered caribou, even though the caribou's really at risk from human activity like the wolves are i think there's actually government documents i've read that said we can kill all the wolves and it won't save the caribou Um, so how do we distill down the magic of how we got society to see that hunting grizzly bears for trophies was wrong and transfer that over to killing these wolves for the sake of doing something that won't work is also wrong Reading, reading some, reading some literature about wolves, learning about wolves, learning how how incredibly social, incredibly intelligent they are, and that, but like all us, everyone, all animals and humans, are opportunistic. And if you if you protect your cattle, and if you allow if you allow uh, if you allow uh, uh, enough habitat for the caribou to recover, which we're not even doing anywhere. It's a habitat issue, it, and uh, so deal with caribou habitat and educate people about wolves. I mean, we educate people about coyotes. You know, ranchers put up fences, of elk fences, stop the, you know, and you can get uh, uh, there would be there'd be ways in which you could in which you could d- d- discourage wolves. But you see, with the, with the grizzly, the grizzly's been unable to become an iconic creature because he 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 keeps his ground generally you've got to go find him and you've got to then then uh, deal with him the wolf would not keep his ground he 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 poses a threat and therefore a threat and is therefore like us is deliberate murderer and you've got to watch out for murderers mm-hmm. and so different completely and 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 then the wolf has got up your know, centuries old myths about the, the wolf this is this is this is this is a, a big time legendary animal and we've only learned the, the, the negative side of said wolf and there's so many things literature out there barry lopez's book and got block's book i mean there's so many good things out there so the wolves are really really fascinating creatures much like much like us in the way they behave in in in, in, good, in good ways, and, and I think the way to do it is to is to uh, if if we're able to is to develop a new narrative about wolves, and and I think this is where this is where 
some of these animal groups are, are doing good things there. They're, they are developing different narratives. It's, it is getting out on social media and, 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 and Twitter. I mean, uh, start to use those mediums, and it's already being done, to, to, to begin a new narrative. And once you begin a new narrative, then I, I think you're well on the way to, to, to beginning an attitudinal shift. But, but again, let, let me add one thing. Those grizzlies are safe as long as the NDP is in power. Yeah. You couldn't hunt a grizzly back in the early 90s, in the 90s when the NDP were in power for short, the early, early part of the millennium when the NDP were in power. When they are out, the Liberals straight back into it again. And when the NDP are thrown out, as they definitely will be, bang, will, out will come the, in will come the Liberals, I may imagine, and back will go the hunting on the grizzlies. Oh, that, that'll be interesting, Mike. Do that. Will, will a new Liberal government that comes in after BC's NDP have the guts to reinstate the, the bloody grizzly hunt? I'm not sure they will. Maybe that would not. be interesting. And that'll be, that'll be a big story. Uh, that'll be a big thing, Mike. When the Liberals get back, what do they do? And if they, if they, if they, if they keep the ban, that'll tell us something about your first question. That'll tell us something about that. Yep. Maybe, maybe we're seeing something. Yeah, maybe. All so it took was them see. losing an election. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's put them in. And but I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen uh, uh, the Notley government hasn't. Yeah, the best thing the Notley government's done recently, just recently, she's been in power a few years, and now she says that you can rehabilitate. Yeah. Black bears. Just last week. Take your time, Notley. And <laughs> and uh, uh, the, the, yeah, the good thing she did was stop the logging in most of the castle wilderness. But see, she they can't back off. They can't back off this human interest. We're stopping the logging, but you can go in there and you can selectively hunt. We, we're going to monitor you. And maybe you can selectively trap. We, but we're going to monitor you, and maybe you can. Uh, maybe we're going to put snowmobiles in there, but we're going to bother to you. Human interest must must be must be attended must be must be, and that's it. You can't say castle off limits. Can't do that. The influence of power is yes. constantly remarkable to me, and oh yeah, I, I just what, I don't get it. I, that's this is it. what I it's do. all about, Mike. This is what it's all about, Mike. It's, 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 when it all comes out, throw out their bloody philosophy, throw out the throw out the morals. It's just we can, so we do. It's sheer power. Yeah. Well, but I, I can't say I can't say that. You know, I had to back off a lot on this book, Mike. I had to back off a lot, and I I I, I structured it very carefully. And you'll notice I did not. I read an article on hunting just last like a couple of nights ago, and the guy was said the same things I said, but he was really mad. He had that passion, and mm-hmm. he was really going after him. But I had to resist that, Mike. I couldn't do that because then it would be a polemic. And uh, I didn't want it to be a polemic. I wanted to say, you can't blame the wildlife management. You can't say, you're bad guys. You can't say, we're all going down down the can we've got to say those in i have to say those in charge are doing this because they've got the wrong beliefs change the beliefs will change the behavior and i couldn't i couldn't make it a polemic yeah. i was tempted to i was tempted to and i said oh no no max my academic training kicked in <laughs> i said no 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 max you can't do that you can't do... and what the and, and my editor said uh, and like i said that uh when i do when i was doing the uh 
the Spring Bear Hunt. I said that, uh, you know, it was their lobbying, and I said, uh, and uh, the Premier, what's her name, Kathleen Wynne, I said, a transparent vote-getter in her own right was onside, and my editor said, but Max, you shouldn't say she's a transparent vote-getter. I said, she is. And my editor said, I know she is, but be best not to say it. You want people, don't make everyone mad in this book because if people who like animals will also like her. Mm. So, you know, it was unnecessary to say that. So I go, oh, I get it out of there. Yeah. And I had a, I had a clip of a, uh, a quote from a guy who just killed, hunted a grizzly, his first hunt. And he was so on how he hit, the, hit it, was running, and he hit it four or five times. And he couldn't get over it. It was running, and 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 was he kept on pounding the shots in it, and finally when it dropped, when it dropped, uh, and died, he said a grin was on my face. You could knock off with a piece of four B two, and I had that in, and and I called it this. I said this sickening, this sickening account is what we're dealing with, and I took it out. No, Max, don't back off, back off a bit. And so, and so I tried, I tried to be as rough as I could and as, in, as hit as hard as I could without throwing roundhouses. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's, it is hard to do. And it was, it was. I think, and again, with my background in journalism, writing about some things, uh, and I do not purport to be a journalist now. Uh, I work for a nonprofit uh, with a very, very clear agenda, but I yeah. do try and hold myself to some of those standards still. And, you know, it's if I can't prove it, if I can't show it, I am not going to post it. I'm not going to print it. Um, and it is difficult at times to, and it's the rationalization again, to take yeah. that anger and say, how is this best going to help the animals? Exactly, exactly. That's what Heather said all the time when people used to dispute. We said, why are we, why, we're all, all, we want the animals and we fight and we argue and we, we split off into splinter groups. Why? It's the animals, not us. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she, this, this was a consistent lament to her. And, and I, I was trying to make a case and I was trying to make a case in the best way I knew how and I didn't want to underhit and I didn't want to overhit yeah. and I tried to reach the I tried to I tried to I but I was conscious of it and I had to resist it big time I've got a couple other things here but there's one I want to end with because I think to me as someone who is peripherally involved in wildlife management policy who's sort of on the edge of a lot of these different discussions yep. that is very very telling to me and I'm curious for your response to this. Yeah. Um, and, and you brought it up that hunting, trapping, and outright culls of species happen in protected areas. So we're not talking in just general crown land or on private property, but literally in protected parks. Um, and the surprise that I get from people when they hear about this uh, <laughs> it is, is it's overwhelming. Do you think that's indicative of a major issue in wildlife management and habitat management in Canada. Yes, yes, I do. To change, to change, to change attitudes when people realise that that there. You see, people want to believe again that their wildlife managers are sustained yield and all that are doing the right thing, and they want well, it's all right. It's in good hands. These guys know what they're doing. They're scientists. They're employed. They know what they're doing. 
But when people are aware, this is what they're doing, basically behind your back. Not, no, they're not. They're not. They're not doing it in, in secret. But they are doing it. They're very discreet about it. Discreet in in, in the sense of in both both uses of the word. Double E T and E T E. They're, they're being discreet in both senses of, of the word. In other words, you're not getting the whole picture. Yep. And this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing because because parks are for humans. Everything is for humans. And see, this is what. And and I realise that the governments are there for humans, and everything must be legislated, framed, thought about in the human interest. And that's why we, it's so difficult to stand back and ask governments to behave what they think stands outside the human interest. And that's, 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 that's my dilemma, Mike. And that was a central point in the book. That's, that's the dilemma. And, but if you can alert people to what's happening in the so-called human interest, that is only a very splinter of the human interest, and most people don't want that to happen, then maybe we will see this. Maybe we will see a change. So it's all about the public. And this is, this is, this is what I'm getting from our dialogue here, from you. And you're making me, you, 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 you put me in this, in this, in this big picture mode. Mm-hmm. The only way to do it is to make more people upset about it and then lean on government who will then lean on. And that might affect change to make more people. And I'm saying this can't be done. I'm looking at the big, the natural notion of human beings in their own self-interest. And that's where I think the animal rights, uh, the animal rights people, I understand why. They started with the wrong issues. They started with animal experimentation and factory farming, huge, huge. That's maybe where they should have started, and they did. But that wasn't there. They, 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 they should have started to get their message across. They should have started with wildlife, because wildlife is still, it's still doable. It's still doable. We can, we can effect significant change in wildlife management. Not with domesticated animals. I don't see much there. But with wildlife, wildlife, we can. And and the way you're phrasing your 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 uh, your comments, you, you, you're kind of in, informing me that the best way is there. There is maybe a way if we get people annoyed enough, ready to put their money where their mouth is and demand change. Yep. And so I that's. That was rambling, but I don't know whether you got my point. <laughs> well, the, the the other way I'd look at this is as an example of how we can see critical social change. And and I, I truly believe that we need a, a clear majority of people, not just vocal people, but of overall mm-hmm. people. Uh, yep. And whenever I talk about this, I always point to prohibition as an example of legislation that is not supported by the majority. Um, yep. Because prohibition, for those who are not aware, led to the formation of pretty much all criminal activity in the United States at an organized level. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so when we look at and that, it couldn't be policed. Yeah, and exactly. It, it was too don't big. Don't make a law you can't. Don't make a law you can't enforce. Exactly. So when we talk about this kind of change, that's why I believe we truly need most people on board. Um, exactly. 
And I think, though, an interesting example of how that kind of critical social change can happen is looking at straws. And this surprises me, to be completely honest, that this has happened. Uh, We know that plastic straws are devastating to nature. Uh, We use billions of the things, and they're ending up in whales uh, as sort of the the big picture harmful uh, side of it. But right now, with the right pressure and awareness, the use of social media and traditional media and accessible options, we're seeing legislation come into effect. We're seeing portable straws that are made of metal are selling. Uh, You can buy them at the convenience store in some places. Restaurants are not providing straws. Uh, And to me, that seems like a sign that with the right lever and fulcrum, we can move this. Do you think that it is the kind of example we can look to as a formula for getting wildlife policy reform? As a major campaign. It is the only way to go. It it is the only way to go. We were in Hawaii recently and they gave us lays and my daughter said, and then they said, with these, these are, with these flowers, my daughter said, what what happens to flowers? He said, well, we throw them back into the sea. And she said, what about the things that are, what about the strings? Are they biodiverse, biodiverse, degradable? Well, I don't know. See what I mean? Didn't know that while you throw the lay back in, you don't know whether the string that's attached to it is biodegradable and it might get entangled in fish. And people are unaware. And you're talking about an awareness with straws. Yeah, 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 yeah. As awareness, the smoking's another one, you know, who mm-hmm. thought. You, you only got to watch TMC uh, movies to see everyone smoking. Everyone. This is the 60s. Yeah. And now no one smokes in, in movies. Oh, they do a little bit to, to make their point if, if, if it's a period movie. But but yes, yes, that's the way to go. And and, and I, do, I, I, I do mention that, that. And if I'm right, and there are more people that hold deeper beliefs about animals who would never harm a living thing in their life if they get out. There's more of these people around than we think, Mike. More of them around. It's just someone's got to be ignited. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's going to be one single issue. Maybe the grizzly. Maybe the wolf. Maybe the snapping turtle. Maybe the sage grouse. Mm-hmm. Maybe the bloody chorus frog. But maybe there'll be something that just lights that fire and just, okay, maybe. But that's why I agree with you. That's the way it's got to go. Yep. And we've got the social media to do it. Like I, I talked to Ego Justice the other day, and uh, all these, a lot of these, a lot of uh, you know, you guys by promoting my book, uh, the of Defenders, and Ego Justice are sending it. They show me a message they sent out to their twenty-seven and a half thousand Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. So that that's it's, and 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 my and my granddaughters, they 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 blasted the book. And and the book launch in their Facebook pages, they're just just hitting out everyone, and they're my granddaughters, and their friends are doing it, you know. And, and so it could be a flash in the pan, but one day something just might catch. I cannot recommend this book enough. Check out the subjugation of Canadian wildlife by Dr. Max Foran at your local bookseller or at the McGill Queen's University Press website, and share the word about this important book with everyone who cares about, or is interested in, wildlife in Canada. 
That's the show for this week, folks. I want to thank Dr. Max Foran for joining me and all of you for listening. Remember to follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Defender Radio and on Instagram at Howie Michael. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio, reminding you to stay informed and stay strong. Stay strong.